Let's go to Matthew 25 and let's look at about verses 1 through 13. But I feel like the Lord has put on my heart that we need to awaken to the fact that we are the generation that will see Jesus return. And I look at all these young people over here, and I know you have hopes and dreams, but I hope they get interrupted by the rapture. I know you want to get out, get married and do all these things, but I believe we are at that very moment. Do you realize when you read the Bible, there's not a scripture yet to be fulfilled before the coming of Jesus that cannot be fulfilled after the rapture? Which means to me, while I'm standing here speaking to you today, we could leave. So if you're not ready to meet Jesus, I would advise you even right now, do it. I would hate to be left in a church with nothing but clothes and shoes and purses. That's all that will be left. I hate to tell you, you're not taking that beautiful piece of jewelry with you. You're not taking that money you got hidden in your billfold with you, sir. You're going to leave it behind. So you should have just given it in the offering. We should have had a rapture offering, okay? Get rid of everything. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? Amen. If you, I don't know if they got time to, can you put it on the screen for them? It's Matthew 25, if you have your Bible. It said, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Can I just explain that a minute? You know what slumbered is? Slumbered is when you're sitting in church and the pastor's preaching and you're doing this. Most churches I go to now, as I travel, I tell them, I say, I know why you turn the lights out. You can't tell if you're sleeping or not. But slumbered means, you ever been into a place and you just wanted to stay awake and you couldn't? That teacher in class was so boring, and they were talking, and then they were talking, and then they just kept on talking. And that's slumber. But what happens after slumber, if no one arouses you, you go to sleep. And it says, they all slumbered and slept. But what I want you to understand about this scripture is it's okay to slumber and sleep, but it's not okay to slumber and sleep with no oil in your lamp. In other words, no, let's put it in today's perspective. You shouldn't be slumbering and sleeping with no battery in your flashlight. Does that make sense? Because when you understand, how many of you have a cell phone? Come on, hold your hand up. I'm going to give an altar call if you don't put your hand up because everybody's got one. I think they have them in the nursery now when kids are born, you know. What is the most important thing you must remember at night when you go to bed? Charge, right? Plug it in. My grandchildren seem to forget that so much more than I do. My battery is dying. My battery is gone. 
My granddaughter told me not long ago, my battery has died in my phone. I said, you know what that means? That means you've been on it at least eight hours today. The worst thing that can happen to you is for the battery in your device to die. To me, I'm putting that in perspective to you that what the worst thing that can happen to you spiritually is for your battery to die. How do you keep this battery charged? It's, it's through worship singing. But the greatest thing that can happen to you is the worship you have individually with God to build your battery so you always have your light shining. Nothing worse than going out in the dark and the flashlight doesn't work. And you push the button. How many has ever had that happen and you keep pushing the button hoping something's wrong and the, and the battery's dead? I don't care. You can keep on pushing. It's not going to work. You're still in the dark, right? See, you've got to understand something. We are the light of the world. Come on. If we are the light of the world, you see these lights that are in here? The, we didn't come in here. The reason they're on is somebody flipped a switch, and when somebody flipped a switch, the darkness in this room had to leave. You do not turn off darkness. You turn on light. Do I have any lights in the house? When we walk in this, and we, you and I know without a doubt, we're living in the darkest culture I've ever seen in my life. Never did I think we would have a, You see, we live in a time when they're trying to change the culture. Do you realize that the, what is it, the University of, uh, I don't Harvard might be, or Oxford. I can't remember which one it was. They just hired a new chaplain. Do you know what he is? He's an atheist. How can you be a chaplain and an atheist? I don't know. But that's where we are. That's why we have to be light. That's why what they've been singing about, how is this world going to awaken unless the church wakes up? We can't just come in here on Sunday mornings and whatever we do and let this be. The, this is the time today that we are charging our battery and we've got to put light into this world and we've got to go and let that light beam to this world so they will know Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. There is no other alternative. Well, I better finish reading my scripture. My goodness. They slumbered and slept. Verse 6, and at midnight. Somebody say midnight. Look at the word midnight. If you knew that something was going to happen at midnight, you would possibly wait until about five minutes to 12 to make sure you're prepared. I'm going to change this translation. Do you see that at midnight? It really is translated in the Greek in the middle of the night. Why? Don't get caught up in midnight because if we all think he's not coming to midnight, we'll live like we want to until right before midnight. It says the middle of the night. My Bible says in an hour that you think not the Son of Man is Coming, when, when you realize that we've got to stay awake. Y'all still with me a little bit here? Now listen, let me tell you, one of the greatest examples, what happens is when you sleep, do you realize that when you sleep, you don't know you're asleep until you wake up? Right? You don't know you're asleep. You're snoring or, well, a lot of things, I better leave that alone. You're asleep, you don't know what you're doing, Okay. 
So it's a good opportunity that if you turn over and kick somebody, you say, I didn't mean it, okay? But when you're asleep, you don't know it because you're in that beautiful place called sleep. You see, there are things you do when you are asleep you will not do when you are awake. You won't mess up your pillow with that wet stuff that comes out of your mouth during the day while you're awake, would you? No, but there are things that happen. The third thing about sleep is this. We hate alarm clocks. Anybody with me? Nothing is right. How many is with me? The best sleep is right before the alarm goes off. I mean, I have tried to sleep all night, and, man, I'm sleeping so good, and now it's time to get up. A week ago yesterday, I was flying to Denver, Colorado, to see my brother, and I had a flight scheduled at 530 that meant I had to get up about 3 o'clock. That meant I had to be prepared and be at the airport by about 4.30. So I had a lot of things to do. I set my alarm on my, I, I, no, I didn't. Anybody got an Alexa? That's about the best thing in my room right now. I said, Alexa, set my alarm at 2.45, and she did and woke me up. But here's what happens to me. When I know I have to get up, something important is coming, and I don't want to miss my flight. I always get up and turn off the alarm because I get up before the alarm goes off. I want to be that same way spiritually. I want to be so spiritually ready. I'm not waiting on the alarm. I'm not waiting on something to happen. I want to be so prepared that I'll be ready when everything takes place, and I'll know that I'm not, I'm not going to miss the most important event in life. And it's called the rapture of the church. And I feel like saying to churches as I travel, wake up, wake up. Do you understand the gravity of the situation that you and I have an opportunity to do something for the Lord? Do you understand that the Lord entrusted you to be a part of this generation because he knew you could be in this generation and still take a stand? It's bad, but he trusted you to stand. Every time in the history of man, in the history of the Bible, that things get bad, that's when God shows up. You know why? We don't pray when things are going good. About, about a month ago, I'd been up in Ohio preaching, and I had driven back, and Judy began to develop a problem. She was having pain in her side and pain in her abdomen area, and she went to see the doctor, and as she went to see the doctor, he began to look at her. He said, you need a uh, sonogram. So he sent her ultrasounds. Ah, okay, she's correcting me. Now. That's why she goes with me because sometimes I'm wrong, okay? You know how to stay married a long time? She's right, and I'm happy. <laughs> so they're doing a sonogram, and as they did a sonogram on her abdomen, she worked did I do it wrong? Ultrasound. Somebody say ultrasound. But look how happy I am. She's right, and I'm so happy. <laughs> Is this on, too? Uh, you're going to have to edit some of this, okay? Uh, <laughs> she had an ultrasound, and as they did the ultrasound, she worked for a doctor, and he was the one doing it for her. We drove back from Jasper, about a 20-minute drive, down to the doctor's office, and we were walking to the doctor's. No, we didn't go to the doctor's office. We, we go home, and I get a call from the doctor, and he didn't call her. He called me and said, doesn't look good. You ever got one of those calls? Man, your heart sinks. 
she wanted me to tell her what she, he said, and I didn't want to. So we go and sit down in his office, and he brings out the report, and he says, as we looked, you, we found out that it looks like you have cancer of your spleen. And it used the word metastasize. Anybody know what that means? That means it's beginning to spread. And it looked very, very bad. For 24 hours, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to schedule a CAT scan for you. And as he scheduled that, it took 24 hours to get it set up. That's the worst 24 hours I've had in a long time. It's easy for me to pray about your situation, but it's a whole lot tougher when it's me. Amen? Come on, I'm just talking to you now. Okay, I'll preach and I'll talk and I'll teach, okay? But they send her the next day. She goes back for the CAT scan. As they do the CAT scan, we have the same distance to drive back to the doctor's office, but we had to go to the doctor's office this time. When we walk into the doctor's office, the people who work with her, the nurses and everybody in the office were lying down the hallway. I thought, what in the world? He'd already received a report. And he said, I got to tell you that the report is no cancer. <laughs> Amen. You see, because God took care of it in 24 hours. Amen. That's who God is. And I want to stay awake so I know that God is working. I do believe we need revival. I believe the church needs to revive. I think we're like Samson. You know what happened to Samson? Samson got involved with a woman. You know what I call Samson? Samson is a he-man with a she problem. <laughs> he was strong. He could pick up the gates of the city. He could tie the tails of foxes together. He could do all those things. But he had a problem with a woman named Delilah. He couldn't stay away from her. And he'd go see her. She said, why are you so strong? And he gave her an opportunity. And he said, this is what you do to me. And then he said it again the third time. Then he said it again the fourth time. And when he did it the fourth time, you know what she said to him? Let me show you something. How many of you know, without a doubt, Samson had long hair. And because his hair was long, he had the strength. But it was not the length of his hair that made him strong. It was the condition of his heart. Because the long hair was a Nazarite vow, and God said, that's what I want you to do. If you've made a vow to God, don't break it. If you've said, Lord, I will do this, this is what you must do, and that's where you live. But what happened, he got too close. And I, she said, you've mocked me, you've lied to me, you've made fun of me. He said, well, let me tell you what it is. She said, you know what she said? Tell me your heart. It's not the hair. It's the heart. It's the heart, if you're not careful, that wanders away from God. It's the heart that causes you to listen to somebody tell you to do something you shouldn't do, and you end up doing it and don't understand why you did it. Do I have any people here today? We have to be careful with the heart. It's that heart, then that relationship with God. A year and a half ago, at the beginning of the pandemic, the Lord began to speak to me about doing a fast. I've done the 21-day fast, the Daniel fast, and I couldn't figure out something. You know what I couldn't figure out? Why is something called a fast so slow? I don't know, but that's the way it works. <laughs> so the Lord began to deal with me. He said, I want you to do a John fast. And a John fast I'd never heard of. And I began to study the scriptures, actually, in the Gospel of John. And what I found out is when they were at the Last Supper, everybody remember? And Jesus said, one of you will betray me. Anybody know the, what I'm talking about? Listen, if Jesus says to a group here today, one of you 
will betray me, don't jump up and say, is it me? Because to me, I'd feel guilty if I said, now, why, why would you say, is it I, is it I, is it I? But here's what I found out. John didn't say it. And as I began to study the Scripture, John had his head on his chest. And here's what the Lord said to me. A John fast is, I want you to spend time with me and lay your head on my chest so you can hear my heartbeat. I'm going to tell you something. In all my years of ministry, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. It's just to get alone with God and lay my head on his chest. You want to know the will of God? Ask him. You want to know who he is? Ask him. You want to have more power? Ask him. You want to lay your head on his chest, and when you hear his heartbeat, then you'll know that God is the one stirring you on the inside. Here's the kind of revival we need, one that stirs the very souls of men and causes trans. Transformation. I don't want to touch. I want to be transformed. But what happened to Samson? He went to sleep in the lap of Delilah. We know the story. Here's the tragedy. He went to sleep, and while he was asleep, she cut his hair, had them cut his hair. Now, if you're going to cut my hair, you better give me something to sleep. Right? Here's what I see there. He was so comfortable laying in her lap that he could sleep that soundly that they could shave his head. Right? Like I said, if you're going to shave my head, you better knock me out or something because I'm going to know what you're doing. Then she awakens him. Here's the tragedy. The tragedy is, she said, Samson, the Philistines be upon you. Can, can I stop here and interject something? Do you know who the Philistines are? The Philistines were people who were not Jewish but who had learned to talk the language and learned to act like the Jewish people. It's not if you come to church and learn how to talk like a Christian. It's not if you know how to act like a Christian. It's whether your heart has been transformed. I'm preaching better than you helping me now. He went to sleep. She yells, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And I, this is a tragic scripture that I believe is happening across America and the world, the churches. He went out and he shook himself as he had before. And he did not know that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. Can I preach a minute? How many churches are gathered this morning and they don't even know if God's there or not and he may not be there and they don't care? It's not a religious activity. It's not a religious attendance. It is a relationship with him. It's, and sometimes if we're not careful, we get out there in the world and something happens and we shake ourselves and we forget that he has departed. Why does he depart? Because of what you do, how you live, and how you talk. Come on. I see you nodding your head. Listen, he wished not, it says. He did not know that the Lord had departed. What did he do? He did the same thing he'd always done all the time. He shook himself. But this time, he was shaken all by himself. And he, what happens? You know the story. They took him. They, they, you know what it says? They put his eyes out. You know what the translation is in Hebrew? They took a thing 
even somebody's finger and gouged his eyeballs out. Then they bound him with brass. Then they put him at the grinding mill. You know what a grinding mill is? That's where a stick sticks out from a stone and you just keep on going around and around in circles. Folks, if we're not careful, all we do in the church sometimes is go around in circles. It's not whether you've gone through the circles. Years ago, a family had gone to an amusement park and the guy said, I think I'll ride the merry-go-round. Well, he paid his money, and his friend stood there and watched him get on. He watched him go round and round and round. He happened to get off exactly where he got on. His friend looked at him and said, look, you paid your money. You got on. You went round and round. You got off right where you got on. You ain't been nowhere. If we're not careful in the church, we ain't been nowhere. Do you hear me today? My heart is broken because we need to rise. They, again, this song they've been singing, awake, 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 awake. It's time to shake ourselves that God wants to use us. Wow. He was blind and he was grinding. Every day was the same. But the hair began to grow. And as the hair began to grow, he began to remember. He said, Lord, Remember me. How many in this building today under the age of 25? Hold your hand up. Over here, here, here. All right, thank you. Listen, do you know what happened to Samson when he came to himself? It says he went to a young man and said, lead me to the pillars. Young folks, rise up. This is your time. I'm not, I'm not saying to your generation, wait on your turn. I'm saying I've got a baton. Get up here and let's run together. It's time to quit waiting on your turn. It's time to sit. Well, my, no, no, this is your time. This is your moment. We need to take an older generation, a middle generation, and a younger generation, and let's run together. We don't have much time, but we've got to do it together. This lad led him to the pillars. And when he led him to the pillars, he's the one, you know what he did? He, he, put, he tore it down. He was led by a youth. Listen to me. We got to wake up. What happens? They all had lamps, but they didn't all have oil. Lamps represent the word of God. Oil represents the spirit of God. Five were foolish. Quickly, let me, re let, let me introduce this to you. A Jewish wedding happens this way, right quick. And I'm going I'm to do it quickly as I can do it because it, it's a whole message by itself. A Jewish wedding happens when a man sees a young lady and he wants to ask that young lady to marry him, that he goes to her house. And when he goes to her house, he takes with him a contract. And as he takes that contract with him, he lays it on the table. And when he does, he puts a glass of juice, or, or the, they call it wine, but it's grape juice, okay? It it's, sits it there on the contract. Now, stay with me. He sits over here. She sits over there. And he has asked her to be his bride. How does he know? This is the engagement process. So, listen to me. The engagement process is this. She has to sign the contract 
and sip the wine. So he's waiting with anticipation. I want to marry her. I want her to be my bride. He's seated there with her, and he watches with anticipation, and pretty soon she signs the contract. And not only does she sign the contract, she sips the wine. You know what he does when she sips the wine? He knows the thing is sealed. He jumps up and he runs back to his father's house. Do you know why he goes to his father's house? He's going to build an extra room, which is called a Beulah. Anybody ever heard a song called Beulah Land? Well, that's what he's going to do. The extra room on his father's house is called a Beulah. He said, I got to prepare. What did Jesus say? I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come unto you and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also. Where's Jesus? He's building a Beulah. He's building not mansions, they're rooms. There's going to be a place for us. What does he do? He builds the room. He prepares it. What is he waiting on? He's waiting on the Father. The Father has to turn to the Son and say it's time for the wedding. Can I tell you something? I'm not wanting to escape. I'm wanting to go to a wedding. I'm waiting on the limousine to come pick me up. Come on, praise him. I'm not trying to get out of here. I'm going to a wedding, folks. I can't wait to eat that meal. It's going to last for seven years, and I don't get fat. That's wonderful. Come on. Look at this. And the father turns to him and says, okay, go get her. Y'all still with me? I'm not going too far. Y'all still with me? You want to hear the rest of this? When he goes to get her from the Beulah, he's prepared, he gets a group to go with him, and they go with a torchlight entourage and head toward her house. When they are a great distance from her house, one of those in the group puts his hand to his mouth and says, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Now, she became engaged to him. She was required to wear a veil everywhere she went while he's preparing the Beulah because the veil said to other men, I'm not available. And what would happen every night, her her group of girls with her that would probably be in her wedding ceremony would gather with her every night. They would read the contract and they would trim the lamps. And they kept on burning. The only way that the bridegroom was coming to get his bride knew that she was ready. He could see the light in the window. Are you with me? Are you going to keep it burning bright? Are you going to keep oil in your lamp? Don't let your battery die because I want my light to be shining because I can't wait because he's leaving the father's house and he's going to say, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. And they all get up and they get her ready. And when they do, these guys bring something like a chair, okay? And they put her in a chair. They put her on her shoulders. Where are they going? They're going to the Father's house. I don't know, but my Bible says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. So shall we meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Is anybody ready to meet your bridegroom? Are you ready to go? Do you understand that we are right there at the door? Glory. So the Jewish ceremony takes place. That's why they have to keep their lamps trimmed. 
and burning. That's why you have to plug your flashlight up. How do you plug your, how, how do you plug your, you, you know what to do with your phone. You know what to do with your iPad. You plug it in. But unless you plug it in, we were in Denver this past weekend with my brother, and one of the uh, receptacles for your plug was loose. And Judy thought she charged her phone. She got up the next morning. It wasn't charged because it didn't make a connection. Don't come to church and not make a connection. Don't let your connection get loose because the enemy will bring distractions in your life about everything you've got to do next week. Amen? But you've got to plug it in. So what happens when he comes? You're able to turn your flashlight on. You're able because of what? It's charged. How many believe Jesus is coming? How many believe he's coming in the middle of the night? Five were foolish and five were wise. Do I have any wise people in here today? Do you love Jesus? Are you serving Jesus? Are you ready to meet him? Is your heart prepared? Somebody said, well, when, I, when he comes back, I'll just get ready. No, you won't have time. Because in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. What? In a moment. What's the twinkling of an eye? Bat your eye. You, your eye's been batting the whole time I've been preaching. You don't even realize it. That's how quick it is. And we shall be changed. We shall be transformed. When? We got to be ready. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. 51 years ago this month, please don't tell anybody and add it up because you know how old I am, okay? 51 years ago almost to today, I became a youth pastor. You believe that? Out of that youth group, God began to prepare young people. Oh, I graduated from college. I graduated from Lee. I didn't have a clue. But here's what the Lord said. Love them, have fun with them, teach them the word, and pray. I had a young man from Ohio. Talk about my, my grandson graduated from Lee last year, and he came up to me. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, you taught me two things. I said, what is that? He said, you taught me how to have fun, and you taught me how to have church. Amen? We can have fun, folks. It don't have to be serious all the time. I was youth director of Northern Ohio. The Holy Spirit's bringing this to my mind, so I'm going to tell you about you. I was the youth director of Northern Ohio. We were in a youth camp. We had about 200 young people in the camp. While we were in that youth camp, a young lady was playing softball, and she fractured her wrist. So they had to take her to the emergency room to get a cast put on. While this was going on, it, if you ever go to an emergency room, I tell them you spell emergency room S-L-O-W, slow, okay? And they, they hadn't gotten back, and church started, and church started with about 200 of us there, and the guy began to preach, and we began to sing, and the Holy Ghost began to move. Can I describe to you what took place? I feel it when I'm telling you. 200 young people were slain in the spirit at the same time. Same time. And buddy, we are having church and everybody's praying and everybody's dancing and everybody's shouting and I'm just having a good time. This young lady walks in. They brought her back from the emergency room. She had a cast from here about to right here to take care of her wrist. She walks up on the stage and says, Brother Sergeant, <clears throat> I believe the Lord has healed me. I thought, well, praise God. No, 
she took her finger in that wet cast and began to rip it off. She ripped it off. She held up her hand. She said, praise God, I'm healed. Hello. You see, I want this generation to experience that. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back and sing the same songs and do the same stuff, but I want that same anointing that's in this house today to be in your life. You'll never, never, ever be the same. Y'all got a minute for me to tell another story? The Lord keeps telling me to tell my story. I was 51 years ago, I became a youth pastor. Back then, we had a bus. If you did the bus ministry back then, it was an old school bus. It was just about ready to die, okay? Anybody remember and they decided we're going to go to Six Flags. Anybody ever been to Six Flags? You have? We went to Six Flags. I had 55 young people on a 40-passenger bus. Can't do that today. We didn't have to have seatbelts. They were sitting in the floor, sitting on top of each other. They were everywhere. We come back from Six Flags, and that time I was in South Carolina. So it was about a three-hour drive from Six Flags home. We're going up I-85. And as we're going up I-85, there's a young lady sitting over here who uh, was a young Baptist girl who uh, the Sunday night before got the Holy Ghost, okay? Is that okay for me to say it that way? Got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to say. She had gotten the Holy Spirit. She began to speak in tongues. The girl over here was from Puerto Rico. Her, her mom and dad were missionaries. And the girl from Puerto Rico said, I hear her speaking in tongues, and I can tell you what she's saying. She said, she's speaking Spanish. I said, but what is she saying? She said, she is saying the Lord is coming back and there's young people on this bus that's not ready. Now, let me show you how God works, folks. All of a sudden, the bus, you know, I didn't have a bus driver back then. I was the driver and the youth pastor and everything, okay? And I'm driving that bus and it backfires on I-85. And I have to pull over, but it scared those kids so bad that on the side of the road, we had, I think, uh, 17 got saved. <laughs> you say, did it work? You better believe it worked. We got out. They got out on the side of the road. The guy comes up to about the bus. I think I can forgot about that same amount was filled with the Holy Spirit on the side of I-85. Okay, the man comes up in the emergency thing on the side of the road. He said, "Can I help you?" I said, "Well, the bus is broke down. I believe you can." So he began to look at it, and he he looked, and he came back to me, and he said. There's a hole in your radiator I can put my thumb in. He said, you're not going anywhere. Okay? I thought, okay, what am I going to do? They got to have this for the bus ministry. Mamas and daddies and the pastor are going to wonder where we are. We're on the side of the road. The Lord said, get those kids back on the bus. I said, y'all get on the bus. They packed on the bus, and they were having so much church, the bus is bouncing, okay? They were still praising God and jumping. And I opened the door to that bus, and I looked at the guy, I said, pour the water in. I said, you young folk, do you believe God can heal this bus? Yeah, man, they shook the whole bus. Shook it so much, the guy pouring the water in said, where y'all been, to revival? I said, no, Six Flags. <laughs> but you can have revival anywhere, folks, amen? He poured water in that radiator, and I can still remember shutting the uh, the door to that bus and him looking at me like you are out of your mind, and I, he was probably right. I said, the Lord's going to heal this bus. We drove that bus 70 miles, and it never ran hot. Hello. 
the next morning they got up to drive it for a bus ministry on Sunday morning because that was on a Saturday night. They couldn't get it out of the parking lot. It had no water and a radiator. That's how God works. You know why God did that? Because before that Sunday was over, the kids came shouting up out of the Sunday school room, and I think 25 people got saved that day, and about 27 baptized with the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, that's revival. Revival is when God just gets a hold of you and won't let go. Amen. I'm trying to land this plane. I can circle the field. I just can't land the plane. Listen to me. Here's what God's bringing to my mind. Are y'all getting all this? Y'all feel the Holy Spirit in this house? I feel the anointing in this house. It makes the difference. Okay, I'm going to share something else with you and then one more thing and then I'll close, okay? I, didn't, I found this out this week. Never shared this before because I just found it out. That a buffalo, when he's being attacked by another animal, like a leopard or a whatever, that that buffalo secretes oil from under him, his, his skin and it causes his hair to be so slick that they can't hold on. I thought, Lord, let me have that kind of oil that when the devil reaches to get me, I just slide right away. Anybody want that kind of anointing in your life? Somebody say, Lord, do it again. Oh, that's not loud enough. Football voice. Lord, do it again. Back in the 40s, early 40s, I think it was, there was a group of young men who were in the seminary. And those young men who were in the seminary, the professor said, I want to take you to John Wesley's house. So they got on a plane. They flew over to uh, Europe. And he took them to John Wesley's house. They unloaded the bus. He walks in. He says, now, let me tell you, this is the kitchen. This is where he would eat his meals. They walked over this way. They said, this is his study. This is where he would study and, and prepare. Then they walked up steps to go upstairs. When they got upstairs, he said, this is his bedroom. There's his bed. There it is. And they walked around the other side of the bed, and one young man said, Professor, what's those two indentures in the floor? He said, that's where every morning he hit his knees. Wow. I don't know if I, does that get a hold of you like it does me? Gets me under conviction. They went back. He loaded them back on the bus. He counted, and one of them was missing. He went, he said, I got to go find him. He's not in the kitchen. He went into the study. He wasn't in the study. Then he kept, he went upstairs, and he said, as he looked across the bed, he saw a head bobbing like this. And he heard a young man saying, with his knees in the same impressions, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. He looked at that young man and said, come on, Billy Graham, we got to go. Amen. You understand, Lord, do it again. Somebody say it, Lord, do it again. At the Valley View Church in Sylacauga, Alabama, Lord, do it again. I want it more. I want more. I want more. I want more. Because I believe God is saying this is the last day outpouring of his spirit. He said, I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Can I stop there a minute? 14 years ago, I left the Summerton Church. I was in prayer, and the Lord took me to that scripture. 
He said, you might as well face it, you're an old man. He said, but what I want to tell you is, it says old men, old men will dream dreams and young men will see vision. He, here's what he said to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, if you quit dreaming, the next generation can't have vision. Lord, do it again. Are you with me? Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. I've seen people healed. I've seen blind eyes open. I saw a woman get up out of a wheelchair and walk across the front of the church. I saw a girl who couldn't see turn around and read a sign on the back wall of a church. I've seen young people slain in the spirit, delivered, set free. I've seen all these things happen. Lord, do it again. That's not in the past. It's today. Is anybody wanted today? Is anybody hungry today? They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. He didn't say, I'm going to fill you if you just kind of lollygag around. He said, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty. Is anybody thirsty? Now, I'm not talking about a thirst for a sip. I want you to turn it up and just go, 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 go. That's the kind of thirst I have today. I want something in my life that is transformative. How about you? Say it again. Lord, do it again. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you, Father. Worship team, does anybody play, sing, whatever you got in mind? Are you ready for what God's about to do? Lift your hands with me. Say it again. Say, Lord, do it again. You mean that? Say it again. Lord, do it again. Lord, let me come to you. Oh, Lord. Lord. Lord, the more we get, the more we want, the more you give, the more we have. So did he live in the Oh, oh, just wait with me just a moment. Holy Spirit is prodding your heart, creating a hunger in your life. You'll never be satisfied because there'll always be more. Then you get more, then you just won't be satisfied, then there'll be more. God always has more. He never quits. He always does it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anybody in this church building this morning? If you really mean this prayer, Lord, do it again. Just walk up here and stand in this altar. Now. Fear no more sick. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled.